You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 7, Episode 4. Carissa, how's it going today? It's been a busy and a snowy week. I actually, it's been so bad here in Pittsburgh. We had to abandon our car at the bottom of our street Monday night, bringing our dog home from the vet um, and walk our poor high dog who just had surgery home two blocks. So it's, it's the, I don't love this weather. It is, it is a stretch for me to find my peace this time of year because I just hate January in Western Pennsylvania. How are you? (laughs) <laughs> I'm I, I'm pretty good. I, I I remember your whining from when we both used to live in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, my whining about winter is legend. Yes, it is. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm good. Uh, I got back from my Florida trip to 30 degree weather in Philly, and apparently I missed all of the worst weather of the previous week, and I was happy about that. Mm, I'm uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I know. Um <laughs> Today it is uh, it it is tolerable, but it's going to get really cold, and uh, we have crazy predictions for snow on Saturday when I am supposed to have a funeral. So, Ooh. yeah, I mean it's just a a memorial service at the church, but uh, I yeah, you I, don't need that in your life, though. I don't need that in my life. Uh, I kind of I, I have my doubts as to whether or not the funeral will actually uh, happen as planned. So, and in other news, I will be um, talking to uh, a young woman tonight who has a six month old baby and she was recently diagnosed with breast cancer and Mm. wants to get a baptism ASAP. And it's like an ordination exam question. Come to my doorstep. Good times. Good times. Indeed. And, and, and let me give the disclaimer that, of course, she is a real person and this is a real situation uh, and and deserving a, and, and we'll get my full care and attention. But it is just um, you don't realize how much the questions from the ORD exams are uh, borrowed from everyday circumstances until you live into those everyday circumstances. I feel like I want to start writing ordination exam questions because more and more folks are not in like traditional parish ministry and mm. the weirdness that you run into in not normal parish ministry is, you know, they, yeah. don't, they don't teach you about what to do when someone from another department is trying to do unsanctioned exorcisms on Jewish inmates. Like you don't learn that in seminary. (laughs) Oh, oh, good Lord. No, we do not. (laughs) I can't believe I haven't told you that story yet, but that's one for off the air. (laughs) That's Yes. I I am all ears. (laughs) I don't know how I didn't call you in the car on the way home that day. Oh, Um, she would (laughs) have. Anyway. um, So we have a guest today as we've had uh, recently. And this is someone that I've known for a little while through um, some some prison ministry, um, some outreach ministry that that I've been involved with, um, which we all know is is close to my heart. And so, um, Colin, I would just love for you to take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us who you are. Hi, uh, my name is Colin McRoberts. I'm a uh, longtime listener, first time caller. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, presently working. Presently working with the uh, Franklin Park uh, American Baptist Church, 
um, and uh, recently employed uh, by Carissa at the uh, uh, Allegheny County Prison, to uh, where I will be That's working right. as a chaplain coming up in the very near future. I'm so excited about that. We're excited that you're going to be joining us, Colin. Um, I think you're going to love the diversity of the staff there, and um, it, it has its own unique challenges, but it's it's going to be good. Well, that's so, good. So I'm, I'm all about challenges little... these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are going to get challenged for the next 20 minutes for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so Alan uh, is challenging to be around. <laughs> <laughs> Alan is being gracious this afternoon. It's, it doesn't happen often, but when it does, you know. <laughs> indeed, indeed, the grace abounds. The gra- grace abounds. I interrupted you. Go on, buddy. No, that's okay. I, I was I was just going to say, uh, were you, Colin? Were you raised an American Baptist, or is this a tradition you have settled on later in life? Um, this is pretty new for me. I was raised uh, primarily in the United Methodist Church, and uh, more recently uh, spent quite a number of years involved in a. Um, uh, non-denominational independent church, which I assisted in uh, helping to plant um, and where I served as an associate pastor for about 12 years, I think. Okay. Uh, Excellent. Had a bit of a, Excellent. And... I eventually had a bit of a falling out with the uh, leadership of the church and have, have since moved on. Okay. Church politics can be a wicked thing to have to work through. Indeed. I, uh, I sometimes joke that I went to jail because sometimes the inmates are nicer than uh, some of the little old church ladies I've come across. No offense to any <laughs> little old church ladies who might be listening, but you know who you are. Um, so we're, we're coming at two questions um, this, this season, and one of them is a question we ask all the time um, about idolatry, but we want to start off with this idea of epiphany, of things that God has revealed to people, either about yourself and your own growth and progress, or about the church or the culture at large. Um, just what are some of the things that God has invited you into, into realization of recently? So we're going to pose that to you now, Colin, what are some epiphanies you have experienced recently? Or a epiphany? If you want to stick with one, we can do that too. Well, I've, I've really, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot. Um, I've recently, I'm, I'm what you would consider at, at this moment, what uh, I guess you'd say a recovering fundamentalist. Um, mm. I'm really kind of evaluating almost reevaluating almost everything that I believe right now, trying to not necessarily change, but figure out what it is I really believe, or is it just what I was taught? Um, for example, until recently, if you had asked me, I would have told you that I was a young earth creationist. Um, I really don't think I'm I'm there anymore. You know, is it is it possible that the Earth is only six thousand years old? Eh, maybe, but I'm 
to a point where I'm kind of doubting that. Um, although I don't think that that affects my salvation. So when it comes down to it, who cares? You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's really where a lot of it's, it, it's kind of falling in terms of, uh, do these things that I, I so adamantly believed in really matter in terms of my salvation? And I think they don't. A lot of things, I just kind of wondering, you know, between uh, what I what I believe and what I was taught. You know, not not that I necessarily think I was really taught to be a young Earth creationist, but you know, looking at Scripture, for example, and you know, the understanding understanding the idea that you know. The Bible is truth. Um, and then recently, more recently, having ideas, you know, interjected that, well, maybe, you know, cer- certainly the Bible is the inspired word of God, but what is exactly the way it was? And what's exactly the way it's said? Uh, I mean, even just looking at history, the fact that you know, well, Jesus didn't actually say these things because he wasn't speaking English, for one thing. Um, right. The New Testament, the New Testament's written in Greek, and Jesus was probably speaking Aramaic. Uh, but then you get to the, the point of accurate quotations are relatively new, a new idea, historically speaking. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, well, let's get the gist of what the person said because nobody was there taking notes. Nobody was uh, doing shorthand. You know, so let's look at, let's look at that idea. Let's, let's, let's consider the fact that in, uh, in the Bible there are, there are words that are used occasionally that we don't even know what they mean today. But we've got linguistic scholars who have made their best guess, hopefully inspired by the Holy Spirit as they're translating. But there's a question as to what does this word mean? And that can affect so much. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, you know, that's um, I grew up in the Bible Belt in a small Presbyterian church and Presbyterians tend to be fairly liberal, but not in the Midwest. And, um, you know, at, at some point in my young adult life, I was, you know, pretty much giving up on the validity of the Bible in general for a lot of those reasons until these ideas of, um, looking at truth differently, um, and realizing that, um, writing was not the same when the Bible was written as it is now, you know, Matt, you know, three of the gospels are, are nearly identical because that was before copyright. <laughs> right? And it was common practice to share writing with each other in that way. And so, yeah, I think some of the, that, um, that deeper historical study that many people are afraid of can actually help us find a new richness and a new relationship with scripture. That's so important. Was there a process of, have you gone through a process of like unteaching yourself some of the the dogma you've received over the years, or how is this working? 
Yeah, I'm kind of working on that, and it's it's complicated. Um, I had experiences uh, years ago where there was someone that I was teaching in a, um, in a Sunday school type environment who had grown up as a Jehovah's Witness, and mm. they're still trying to unlearn things that they were taught there that that really don't jive with with Scripture, or I should say, don't jive with the way we were teaching at the time. It can take a long time to unlearn some of those things. I feel like that's, that's like a lot of our job as adults, just in general, right? Is unlearning things that maybe weren't right in the first place. Um, Unlearning patterns of trauma and, and systems that aren't, aren't fair and stuff like that um, really translates to a lot of different stuff. So what, what else have you recently unlearned, Colin? One of the things I think I'm, you know, maybe not necessarily unlearning, but looking at differently. Um, The idea of parable, Um, Mm. you know, growing up and as as we do, we we look at the parables and we see the stories that Jesus told and and we learn that parables are, parables are stories uh, that are meant to give us a spiritual truth. And I've been kind of reevaluating other pieces of scripture, kind of looking at them as parables. Now, mm-hmm. because we're we're so set apart from the things that happened in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, that we can we can read these stories and well, to us, apart from the apart from whether we believe they actually happened as it says they did or not. Um, it's a story. We can look at these things as stories and certainly, you know, believing that they happened, but it's a story and we can look at it as a story. And perhaps in looking at it that way, there's a, another spiritual truth in there that we can, we can somehow grab a hold of that maybe we haven't seen before looking particularly, uh, uh, recently been kind of looking at the story of Noah's Ark. Um, I mean, I, I grew up in a, an environment that was heavy science. And a lot of people will, you know, look at the story of Noah's Ark and say, oh, it, it isn't possible that there was a universal flood. Well, I, I still kind of believe that there was a universal flood, but, you know, when did it happen? How did it happen? And, and I don't understand these things. And, and you know what? It's okay that I don't understand these things because, hey, let's look at that story. Let's look at the interactions between the people. What is this supposed to teach us? Because a lot of times we just look at these stories and say, oh, that's a nice story. And we tell that story to our kids and, and, and hopefully they fall asleep without too much trouble. But at the end of the day, what am I getting from this? I might be launching early into the idols part of this. And, and if I am, forgive me, and that's okay. And we'll transition there. But I wonder if... Um, that's part of uh, Satan or the adversary or the enemy or the liar or however you want to put it. Um, if that's p- like if distraction is part of the the tactic there, right? So we get so distracted and so overwhelmed by debating with one another over whether or not this flood 
actually covered the entire earth or whether or not the earth was created in seven days or seven eras or it's completely poetry and has nothing to do with the way creation happened like we get so bogged down by some of those historical details that were not even part of the writing process or the thought process behind the writing that we miss the point <laughs> and yeah. what a great distraction then the enemy has created in these arguments over the historicity of noah's ark that we miss the theology of it which is really the reason that it has passed down for so many generations absolutely um we we have so many of these things that we argue about that when it gets down to it quite honestly are dumb um, not the things mm -hmm. themselves but the fact that we're arguing about them and the fact that these arguments are causing rifts uh, between people of faith who these very things are supposed to bring us together mm -hmm. you know for a very long time i've 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 been able to point at uh, the act of communion as this kind of thing. I, I firmly believe that the act of communion was something that was initiated by Christ to bring us mm -hmm. all together. And it's one of the biggest dividers that there is in the, in the modern church. So I think we have tipped over into it. What are the, what are some of the idols that you, you have realized in this process of unlearning? I think one of the idols I realized is, is uh, being right, um, whether I'm whether I'm actually right or not. Uh, you know, as as human beings, we we desperately want to be right about everything. Um, and a very a very wise old preacher I remember once told me it's 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 better to be compassionate than it is to be right. Um, maybe not necessarily to be wrong, not to mislead people, um, but it's important for us, it's important for us as individuals and ourselves to be at least righter than other people. Um, and I've even come to a point in my faith where I can, you know, in in the process of evangelizing to somebody, in the process of speaking with somebody about faith on an item that we are in disagreement with, I can I can say to that person, you know, you know, we disagree on this thing. Can we at least agree that at least one of us is wrong? <laughs> we might we might both be wrong. Who knows? We're not going to know un, un, until, you know, after Judgment Day is done and we have an opportunity mm -hmm. to find out these truths. But, yeah, I mean, I can I can even stand, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, with a, a, a Muslim, for example, and, and you know, I can talk I'm very, with them. I'm very glad to hear that. <laughs> at, at, at least one of us is wrong. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm I'm willing to accept that maybe it's me. You know, but I have my faith and you have your faith and, and let's celebrate yes. our faiths. I've really gotten an appreciation the, for uh uh religious liberty through this. I have a much mm. greater understanding and love for religious liberty. Hmm. I think too, you're you're right to 
Colin, to call that need to be right an idol. Um, it's it's an idol of self. It is uh, a barrier to communication. And as as one who comes from that tradition of not quickly, uh, not quickly realizing that I need to yield some ground. Um, it's, it's one of those areas too, where when we're running up against that, we probably should recognize we should have our own epiphany of a need for self care because that's often, you know, that, that's a formation issue that, that is just completely outside of faith. It's a family systems issue. Uh, I know, I know that, that, that is, uh, a, typical pattern in one side of my family that need to be right. And, uh, it only one side, you got lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that one side really needs to be right. (laughs) They're really, really right. And I hope they're not listening right now. No, the, 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 the only one still alive that would understand is my mother and and she would not disagree. (laughs) Oh, she loves us. Yes. Um, (laughs) But yeah, you know that that's um, that's one of those bits of baggage that we bring to ministry that we are completely unaware of until we practice it on someone else. And uh, I remember a friend of mine. This was even before I was in seminary, telling me, you know, that she had gone through couples counseling before she and her first husband divorced. And she said, the thing that the counselor always asks is, do you need to be right or do you need to be loved? Mm. And you hope that the answer is, I need to be loved. And if the answer is, I need to be right, and there is no other ground, then you're probably dealing with someone who has a, a narcissistic personality disorder. And you know, we, as Christians, we say that Jesus is the truth and the way and the life. And so we have to acknowledge some sort of truth outside of ourselves, but the narcissist cannot do that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes even worse, it's not just a matter of, uh, it's not just a matter of me being right, but I have to prove that you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's and like in the, practice the next that, step. Right. And in the practice of that, you, you undermine, if not completely destroy any chances at community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're right back to Ralph's, uh, pedestal here his soapbox <laughs> about community yeah um so colin is there anything else that you were just burning to say while we had you on the air today um and if not i'll i think i'll ask alan if he minds praying us out of here today but we've been delighted to have you here with us well i've really been uh, honored that you asked me thank you for the opportunity Absolutely. If anyone else is listening that has long yearned to be interviewed by um, Slappy and Happy or whatever you want to call Alan and I here, um, please feel free to let us know. We'll be happy to 
um, tell you when you can when you can join us here. So, um, well, thank you, Colin. We really appreciate this. And uh, I'm gonna, Alan, turn it over to you to to pray away the idol of rightness. Mm, gracious God, help us to find your spirit and your truth. Help us to seek your grace more than we seek our own righteousness, our own self-righteousness. Help us to see where we are being self-righteous rather than righteous. Help us to have open eyes and ears and hearts and minds to hear what your spirit is saying to us, to hear what the people around us are saying, so that we may topple this idol and move along in harmony with your spirit to do your work here in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. <laughs>